Thompson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli, spin, grips, goal, superb from the Eagles. Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's show, we'll look back at our clash with the Saints, get the latest off-field updates and preview this week's prelim final rematch. Joining me to do so this week, once again, it's great to have him back on the show. Please welcome Keys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good after a win, again. Always enjoyable after a win. Always an easier pod when we don't have to uh, wade through the mire. And also joining us this week, possibly for the last time ever, getting dangerously close to that status anyway, is Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, it'll be good to go out on a high if this is my last one. Um, yeah, it's, it's always good when we don't have to work out how to fix or fold the club. You guys are both right in saying it is nice to come in off the back of a win, and a win we did indeed have. So let's dive straight into it. West Coast, 12 goals, 16-88. Defeated St Kilda, 10-10-70 at Marvel Stadium. Uh, an interesting game. It was a bit of an arm wrestle early. Then the Eagles really pulled away in the third quarter. And they threatened to make it a bit of a bloodbath at the start of the fourth. Now, that didn't happen. Some inaccuracy crept in. And St Kilda got a couple of late goals back to really make it quite nervous. Jack Darling kicked the sealer. We got out of Melbourne with a victory. Certainly a deserved win, although it was somewhat unspectacular in the end. Miguel, what were your thoughts on the Saints game? Yeah, pretty much that. Um, we, you know, there's still questions over us. We still haven't found the the Premiership winning form, but um, we're starting to you know, bank some wins in this sort of uh, you know, this run of easier looking fixtures, uh, which is good. Uh, winning while we're not playing our best. Yeah, the uh, certainly the intent, to, the um, the pressure from pretty much across the board has picked up in the last couple of weeks. The, the tackling pressure has been really good. The um, winning the ground ball has been really good. Uh, I'm I'm not sure about our our fourth quarters. Um, we've had sort of two weeks in a row, albeit this week it was sort of a bit more self-inflicted because we were um, kicking behinds rather than goals. But we've um, no, two weeks in a row we've had a, a pretty big lead uh, in the third quarter and then sort of let our opponents back into it and let them sort of threaten to take the game away, which is a bit disappointing. Good to see a few guys uh, find some form. Kennedy sort of only had a brief cameo in the, the third quarter, but good to see him clunking marks and, and um, finding his shot. His kicking's been off a bit. And, uh, yeah, um, hopefully we carry that into Melbourne this week. We will get back to Kennedy a little later on. He has been nominated for Mark of the Round, though. So, yes, it was a really nice purple patch lasted about a minute for Josh Kennedy, and that seemed to be quite a difference maker. Uh, Keys, in general, your thoughts on the Saints win? Yeah, yeah I think it was a solid enough win. Still still a fair way off a best, I think, but I think at the moment, any wins, goals, especially wins on the road, you know, if we can just keep ticking it over and hopefully kick into better form as the season progresses, and then, you know, hit our straps completely at the right time of year. I think it's going to be that type of season where 
the side that's in form come uh, late August, September is is going to run out with it. I don't think that you just got to keep getting enough wins on the board now that uh, you're in some sort of spot you can challenge from seriously at the end of the year. So, yeah, without playing your best and a lot of our bigger names are still sort of finding their range, uh, yeah, a win's a win. Yeah, it's starting to shape up that way, especially when you look to the neutral games in the season. I think I said similar last week, but probably on the evening I was a little frustrated and then as I watched the Sunday games unfold, I kind of came back a little bit more to reality and thinking, you know, a win's a win and we've just got to bank them and there will be a team that gets to the dance and starts playing good footy in September and that seems to be the way this year's going to go. Look, Fiver, you brought it up. We might as well get into it now. Josh Kennedy, uh, he had, as we, as we just touched on, a really, really nice minute, two-minute little cameo towards the end of the third. Other than that, he was a little bit quiet. And certainly in the first half, there was some frustrations in how we were linking up and how we were going forward. So is it perhaps time, there were some rumblings in the game thread this week, is it perhaps time to stop thinking of Kennedy as this All-Australian star, key forward, you know, non-negotiable 1A type forward? Or is it still that? Is he slowing down a little bit? What sort of concerns do you have for him and his longevity this season? Yeah, his lo- longevity is an issue. Um, yeah, I think we need to we need to be more predict- unpredictable going in inside forward fifty. We can't look to Kennedy and Darling uh, all the time. Kennedy's real value, I think, is um, taking the number one defender uh, every week, or at least giving the the opposition um, pause to thought about whether they whether the number one defender goes to Kennedy or Darling. Um, but yeah, we do need to um, be a little bit more mindful of uh, looking for uh, Alan when he's playing down there, and Ryan and, and Petrocelli, and being a bit less predictable. Um, and, and typically, it's been when we've sort of we've been behind in games or momentum's gone against us, and we're lacking a bit of confidence, where we just tend to sort of bomb it on Kennedy's head or, or bomb it on Darling's head. Yeah, we need to. The players need to be a little bit more mindful of, of looking for better options and not just automatically going to Kennedy as the, the get-out because, yeah, those periods that he had in the third quarter are getting further between just as he gets older. And, yeah, he's looking really, um, really starting to show his age at the moment. And he was in the ruck at times as well, which yeah, just strikes me as ridiculous. Not in the centre, but in the 4-50, yeah, it was just, you're killing me with yeah. that semi. Come on, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Alan's in the team for. And you know, even if he's not there, get Darling to do it, for Christ's sake. Don't chuck Kennedy in. Yeah. Anyway. No, fair call, and I agree with that. Keys, uh, we obviously do have Alan in the forward line. We brought Waterman in for this week. And Darling not in the best form. Kennedy may be starting to slow down. What's your view on our forward mix at the moment? Is that an area that we're going to need to address pretty shortly? I think Rioli coming back, I think, solves a fair bit of it. The main issue that we've struggled with all year I think is, I like we touched on last week when we spoke about it, is with Oscar Allen coming in effectively replacing Lacroix he's a bit more of a lead mark type player so we've, we've got three tall targets that we didn't, didn't have and they're still trying to adjust amongst themselves too often we've got more than one forward leading to the same spot which is something that I'd, last year I don't think really happened that much so it's just finding that adjustment, whether we can do it with Alan still in the side or whether uh, he comes out and we, we go back to just that two key forwards and we try to split the targets between Darling and Kennedy. 
But even those two guys, they're not separating as much as what they they did last season, I don't think. I mean, the pleasing elements from the forward line this week were the clear standout, I think you'd have to say, was Liam Ryan, who, not just in the forward line, he was present and active all across the ground, but he really did stand up and give us something. Miguel, you touched earlier on late in games, we sometimes get a bit Kennedy-centric, or if we fall behind, you know, the, the default option is stick it on Kennedy's head. I'm, I'm going to do this from memory, so forgive me if there's errors, but I think the fourth quarter, the, the shots on goal were Waterman, they were Ryan, Sheed, Duggan... Uh, until Darling's goal at the end, I think a lot of the efforts on goal, Yo, these sorts of guys, were coming from midfielders and, and you know defenders and some smaller forwards. So maybe we are getting a little better at getting away from that, but the forward line's certainly not clicking uh, or firing on all cylinders just yet. Look, we'll move away from the forward line. We might come back to it in a second, but we'll move away from it now. Miguel, Mark Hutchings came into the, uh, stayed in the side, I should say, but came into a bit of a different role. Uh, Simo mentioned pre-game that he wouldn't be tagging that he'd be playing on the wing and he'd be a sort of a go-to player. What did you see out of him on the weekend and what do you think his value is to the side if he doesn't have a run-with role? It seemed like he was playing Maston's role almost um, and it's it's difficult to tell when you're watching on TV um, as opposed to um, at the ground um, because, you know, once he's out of the shot then you don't know where the hell he is. But um, just from the fact that, yeah, he was lining up on the wing at most bounces and he... I think he led the team or he was one of the leaders in distance covered. So it sort of suggests that he was playing Maston's role a bit, which I, I didn't sort of notice any any downside to that. So it, it seemed to go OK. Um, if he's got the tank to do it week in, week out, then, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's got more of the physical attributes that Maston doesn't have, which is, you know, he, he can stick a tackle and possibly break a tackle. doesn't have the best sort of spatial awareness at times but yeah that's that's possibly a way to solve that log jam um seeing as you know, Maston seems to be out of favor at the moment and he's been sent back to work on something um so yeah maybe that is a role for Hutchings I don't know I think his best role is still as a tagger uh and you know there'll be you know against Melbourne this week you know you might want to tag Oliver or, or Viney or someone so whether he whether he stays in that role or um or stays in Maston's role, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that's certainly a different way we can go. We've sort of been scratching our heads as to how to solve that that issue. Um, and, yeah, if Hutchings can can put in the kilometres and be that defensive outlet on the wing, then um, maybe that's the way to do it. I would suggest this week that he probably will go back to that run-with role that he has done so well historically. But, yeah, you're right, it's... Um... It's an interesting look. It's maybe not one that I thought they'd try, but I'm certainly happy they gave it a crack. Keys, do you think Hutch has a role as this winger if we're not going to run with players in future? If we've, if he's got no tag target, then I guess that's where his role's got to be. It's whether, if we're coming up against the side, whether it's Hutchings or Maston that's better placed to play that, that defensive wing role. But his best role in the side is the tag, and I, I think if not going to use him there. It, it becomes questionable as to whether he's in the best 22. Or, you know, even we, we perhaps look at someone like, uh, like Smith as, a, as an option if there's no tag target for um, Hutchings. Talking of the guys that are a little bit on the periphery at the moment or trying to sort out their role in the side, Jake Waterman came in and after a couple of good efforts in the waffle over the last month as a key forward, he, he kind of fell again into what we've seen from the past from maybe a brander. 
just a little bit lost out there. He was sort of a lead-up forward, but he was getting quite high up the ground. Spent some time in the back 50 when the ball was loose, so it's a little hard to say what they wanted from him. Miguel, what did you think of his efforts on the weekend, and do you think he'll keep his spot? I hope he keeps his spot because I'm not a fan of um, dropping the youngsters after a week. And, yeah, definitely wasn't a fan of that happening to Branda the other week. Um, and, yeah, as you, as you said, Waterman sort of come in and done his role. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of the forwards getting up the ground and helping out in defence. That seemed to be a real point of emphasis, whether that was because they were told, you know, Maston's not in the side, so someone's going you know, to need to make sure that someone comes and provides the out number in the back line. But, yeah, I was, did see Ryan down there at times as well and, and Petrocelli. So um, it looks like something that they've possibly done a yeah, bit of an emphasis on. I thought Waterman was okay. He missed a set shot, which you know, the couple of games I've seen him at waffle level, he's bloody dobbed everything. And then he gets in the AFL side and he can't kick a set, set shot to save his life. So I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, look, I, I thought he was fine. Um, I wouldn't be dropping him this week except that... Um, I suppose we get to changes. I'm worried about going in a little bit too tall in the forward line and he would be the obvious one to come out if that's the case. But, yeah, look, happy for them to, you know, if he's got a defined role and it's difficult on the outside to work out what that is. But, you know, if he's come in and been given a defined role, then I'm happy for him to get a few weeks to work at it. Keys. We talked over the last couple of weeks about a couple of frustrating wins. We certainly had some very disappointing losses. And there was a bit of pressure starting to mount, a few questions being asked. Given that we are now off the back of two wins in a row and we're sort of in a, a patch of our season where maybe we need to start banking these wins, do you think that the side is starting to turn a bit of a corner or do you still have some doubts that you'd like to see addressed before you sort of buy back in? I think they're improving. The, the contested ball is better than what it's been. And... St Kilda are a pretty good contested side, so to win that was fairly well. So it's it's not moving as quick as we perhaps like, but it is on the it is on the improve. And I think you know, apart from a couple of you know disappointing patches in the last quarter of each of the games, where we've probably left a bit of percentage on the table, uh, we've we've had we've had the games not completely under control, but a bit like an older brother holding his little brother's head <laughs> away. While the brothers swinging away, we sort of we had them at arm's length for most of the game, and we're able to sort of kick off when we need to. It's just playing full four quarters, which we haven't we haven't done probably all season. Maybe the Collingwood game, but that would be about the only one where you'd really say we played full four quarters. So the signs are there. We've just got to do it for for longer. Miguel, do the club have buy-in from you yet? after what you've seen over the last month, or still a few things you'd like addressed? Yeah, that, as Key said, I'd like um, I'd like to see us yeah, harder for longer. I'd also like to see us, you know, the, the past two weeks have been good, but they've been against sides that are sort of in the lower reaches of the ladder. Um, Saints had a fair few out injured, so, yeah, still question marks for me. Need to get another win against Melbourne, who are also not travelling too well, and then I think the real test will come the following week against Adelaide in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, look, promising signs. But, um, as I said at the outset, we still haven't found that premiership winning form and, yeah, it's still proving a bit elusive. Moving away from the AFL now, we turn our attention to the Beagles. Waffle by this week, so there's no Beagles action to cover. 
Uh, but there will be a game pretty shortly. So we're recording this on the Monday, given that, uh, as we'll get to later, the Eagles play on Friday. But a short week for the Waffle Boys as well, playing the day before at Leaderville Oval on Thursday night. Keys, it's a bit of an interesting one this week because we'll obviously have to hold over some emergencies, meaning a couple of guys are going to miss a fair chunk of footy. Without getting too much into it in terms of your changes, who do you expect they'll hold over? Or, or is there somebody in particular you think is every chance to to come into the side from the Beagles? Yeah, hard to know who they'll hold over. Historically, we usually only hold over one, unless there's a guy, a player with a legitimate injury cloud. So I suspect there might be a couple of guys a bit sore after uh, Saturday's game. And we usually have at least one player manage to get an injury between the injury report and game day. So... There'll be, I guess, two guys sat out of the side, one as a replacement and one as a, as a definitive emergency. Who that is, I'm not so sure because, I mean, whichever guy it is that sits out will have missed three weeks of footy or, the, or two weeks in a row. So really hard to, to pinpoint who that might be. Um, it's you sort of ones like Archie or Rotherham or Smith, uh, possibly even Maston, uh, if they feel like they know what they can get out of him. It makes it a bit hard for him to work on the things that he needs to, but uh, he would perhaps be a candidate to um, to, sit out, to sit out this week and not go back to the waffle. Certainly will be one to watch, and it is tough for these guys. You know, somebody is going to have to miss a good chunk of footy, unfortunately. Miguel, the Beagles play East Perth. They're a little bit down in the dumps at the moment from the looks, and I think that's something we possibly saw coming given the mass exodus of Eagles players in the off-season with the new standalone side. But if you want to do a little bit of a prediction for the game, you'd hope that the Beagles can get over the top. What specifically are you going to be looking for from any individuals or maybe from the team? What are you going to be hoping for on Thursday night? Um, hoping to see Willie Rioli uh, out there and um, and getting some match fitness. And if we get if Cameron can come back from, I've forgotten what injury he had now, wrist, I think. Um, Yeah, yeah, so um, we're recording this on Monday, obviously, so we haven't had the injury list come out yet. But, uh, yeah, um, Rioli and Cameron running around the forward line would be something I'd like to see. Uh, Continued improvement from Bailey Williams, so I'm going through all the forwards, but I'd I'd actually like to see um, a big effort from the midfield as well. Uh, Matty Allen would be one that would be keeping a pretty close eye on to see if he can... um, uh, continue to keep the pressure on the, the match committee to bloody pick him and give him a game after his quiet week and then a bye. Yeah, uh, Archie and or Smith, I think, would be the, t- the two that would possibly be in line to be on standby just because they're older guys and, you know, one, they could benefit from a bit of an extra long layoff and, two, you know, they're experienced enough that it's not going to sort of halt their momentum as much as, um, you know, if you did it to a young guy. The other alternative, I suppose, would be to uh, if you you made a change like um, you know, brought Rotham in for Cole or something and had Cole as the um, as the standby, and then no one's missing two weeks in a row. But that wouldn't be my preference, really, either. No. And look, while you're on the injuries, um, look as you touched on, we don't have an injury report in front of us. But just going off what we know. Uh, also, Keys, I believe you got around the training session today. So there's a couple of sore boys: uh, Kennedy, Shepherd, and Schofield didn't train, is that correct, Keys? Yeah, uh, Shepard came out late, uh, so I think that was him just, he, he, he often misses the, the recovery session. Kennedy just about always misses the recovery session. 
Um, Schofield's probably the one that thinks he's got a blow to the ribs or something like that early in the game on Saturday. So he would be a concern getting into a Friday night game. Uh, and he didn't make an appearance at all. Other than that, uh, Watson trained. Uh, much as it was a light session, but he did all the work. Um, and as I sort of said, Cameron was out there, but he still had his wrist strapped a little bit. So, and I think Brace, Brace and Barris both went out there, but they really didn't do anything. They just put an appearance. And that, Nui and Willie were both out there. So, you know, as they build their fitness towards a uh, return. So not to tip our hand too much uh, for when we get to the changes section coming up, but just quickly from all of you, Keys, I'll start with you. Not whether you want to see it, but what you expect to see. Do you expect Willie Rioli to play Waffle or Eagles this week? I think they're going to roll the dice with Rioli and bring him straight back in. I think they he's done probably a lot more work than what we know. Uh, and his fitness will be there. I think they'll want him in the side as soon as possible. So I suspect they'll bring him straight back in. Personally, I I hope and I also expect that they will bring him back through the waffle, just given Simo was chatting earlier in the season about the Optus Stadium turf and bringing people back slowly, not wanting to miss extra weeks, all of this sort of stuff. So um, I certainly wouldn't be upset if he came back in because he's terrific, but I'm a little concerned that I wouldn't want him raced back in if he's yeah. not 110%. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd say that's not my preference. My preference is the same as you, that he comes back through the waffle. But I think that the club is going to go the other way. Miguel, I think your preference will be pretty well known. What do you expect to happen? Yeah, well, look, even putting aside my conflict of interest, um, my preference would be for him to come back through the waffle, um, even if he he plays next week against Adelaide, which would uh, mean I lose my bet. I'd be happy with that. But, yeah, I'd much rather see him get at least one run. If he's going to be on limited minutes, which is the the suggestion, um, then... You're much, much better able to manage that in the waffle. Um, Adelaide of Oval is a pretty soft ground, so you're not nearly as worried about him re-injuring himself as, as on the um, the heart of the stadium surface. So, yeah, look, I really hope um, that's the case, but uh, I can't even say what I expect because the, the match committee's um, been pretty unpredictable this year. Yep, that it has, that it has. Well, talking of the match committee... That brings us to the main event. We play Melbourne this week, Friday night, 6.10pm at Optus Stadium. It is a rematch of last year's prelim final. A day and an evening and a week that I think we would all hold in uh, pretty high regard when we look back at it. It was a terrific prelim from an Eagles point of view. Melbourne were much hyped. They were a bit of a fairy tale coming in and we slapped them in the face with 10 straight goals to start the game. Never looked back and went on to win the flag. Keys, this week we're playing a Melbourne side that's a little bit down on their luck. They don't look like prelim finalists at the moment, but what are you concerned about or anything to watch for? What are you looking forward to in this in this game? Uh, my main concern is, a, is an ambush. Uh, I think last year in the round 22 game I think there was a fair bit of noise prior to that match about Melbourne not being able to win the road, Melbourne not being able to be the top outside yeah, the, and the, the Melbourne players came over with a pretty clear focus and uh, played one of their best, if not the best game they played 
all season. So I, my concern would be that they'll steal themselves for this one. Uh, I, I would imagine that the, the beating that they got last year in the Premier League would be sitting in those players' guts all off-season. So I would expect, certainly if I was a Melbourne fan, I would expect that the, the players would be coming out uh, pretty hard and wanting to prove a point and looking at this game as a, as one to to get their season sort of back on track. So that would be my big fear, is that we're going to not be ready for a side that is wanting to prove a, prove a point. Miguel, your thoughts on whether Melbourne will be coming over here looking for revenge or, I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a reach to suggest it would be water under the bridge, but they've not been in red-hot form, so do you fear an early onslaught from the days? Yeah, I do. I think they will have, like Key said, I, I think they will have had this one pencilled in for a while, um, circled on the calendar, and you know, they'll be coming over to make a point. Um, working in our favour is that they played, I think we both played on Saturday and we both played on the East Coast, but for some reason they played on the Gold Coast. They've got to fly home to Melbourne and then fly over to Perth and all on a six-day break. So that's an advantage for us, I think. Um, they've got a few few guys picked up injuries during the game, so that's an advantage for us as well. But, yeah, they'll be, um, they'll be coming out looking to serve it up to us and they'll be looking to make a statement from the outset, I think. So we've got to be switched on to that. We've seen in, uh, I think, not so much the last two weeks, but before that, when teams have uh, come out and hit us early, we've uh, been unable to hold up the damn wall a bit. The defenders were able to do that earlier in the year against, I think, both Collingwood and GWS, which are probably our two best games. Um, we, we've stood sort of a, an early 10-minute onslaught and the defence were able to stand up, um, but lately they haven't been able to do that. Uh, and if we lose Schofield for this game and now uh, we've got to play, um, I suppose yeah, we'll get to changes, but if we've got to play Rotham or someone as a, as a key defender, then yeah, it's going to be even more difficult for the defence to stand up. Uh, so, yeah, that's something I'd be concerned about. Um, Max Gorn I'd be concerned about as well. Um, he hasn't been in the best form lately, but you know, he can always threaten to break out against against Hickey and Vardy or whoever we put up in the ruck, Hickey and Allen or Vardy and Allen or uh, whatever. Yeah, that's, um, that's an issue for us as well. So both sides come into the game off the back of two victories and Melbourne coming in off two really remarkable late victories as well. They beat the Hawks by five points a couple of weeks ago and then stunned the Suns by a point at the weekend. Uh, pretty remarkable game. The Suns kicked what should have been the winner with 40 seconds left. Melbourne somehow tied with 20 seconds left and then got one last forward push, hit the post as time ran out and won by a point. Miguel, you mentioned it there. Yes, a couple of injuries for Melbourne on the weekend. Michael Hibbert clearly not playing. He broke his collarbone by the looks. Uh, really nasty collision there, so he won't be out. Uh, Jake Melksham and Jordan Lewis also in doubt. Melksham's been in great form for the days and he was clearly their best on until he left the game on the weekend. Uh, so a couple of things to watch there for them. But as you touched on there, they've got Max gone. They've got quite a strong midfield. Keys, we talked about Hutchings earlier. Do you expect him to tag? And how do you think our mids are going to go head-to-head with a pretty strong Melbourne midfield? Yeah, I, I expect Hutchings would go to either Oliver or, or perhaps Viney. Sides don't necessarily seem to tag, want to tag Oliver that much. I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, the good guy sort of got himself back into form against Gold Coast. So I think he starts a lot of their 
there, Paul. Yes, so I would I would like to see Hutchins go to to him, and then the rest of our mid. Harms usually takes the opposition's best midfielder for Melbourne, uh, so I'd expect Harms to go to probably Shuey, and the rest of the guys to go sort of head to head. But it's Melbourne very good inside team, so we're going to have to be on our on our medal there because it's going to be a real test of our recently found contested ball use and if we can get them on the outside then we, we probably should be able to cut you know cut them open they've got a fairly inexperienced defense and especially if uh, Lewis is out as well as Hibbert they, they sort of lack some some older heads back there so we might be able to expose them down back and we just we need to whoever rucks has just got to keep on jumping into Gorn and and keep him honest, at least as much as the same way that we did in the uh, in the prelim. So looking at that uh, Melbourne backline versus West Coast forward line matchup, Miguel, we've seen obviously last year the Eagles did have some success when they had a full strength forward line against the Dees, but Melbourne's backline it's in an interesting spot. Sam Frost played really good footy on the weekend. They've got Oscar McDonald down there, but no May now, no Hibbard, and possibly no uh, Lewis as well. A little bit depleted. Is this something where you think some volume entries, if we just keep getting the ball in, eventually that damn ball will burst? Or what are you hoping for out of our forwards this week? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, as you picked up there, the, the key defenders are pretty good, so they might be able to hold Kennedy and Darling a bit. So we, we need to look for those sort of secondary targets like um, you know, Ryan and, and Cripps and Petrocelli. And as I said before, just try and be a little bit less predictable with our forward entries and not, not look for the bigs all the time. Um, but yeah, volume will definitely help as well and that that comes back to the midfield and they'll probably end up having to sort of shark Gorn's taps a bit almost like you know, teams do with Sanderlands where they just uh, expect him to to win the knock and then you know, rove to him all the time rather than roving to our own Ruckman um, whoever they might be but yeah certainly forward entries um, repeat forward entries will be the key um, I, I don't know what the numbers were from from Saturday's game but it seemed like we we, we had Getting in, getting inside forward fifty a lot more than uh, we had previous two weeks. So yeah, more of that, but it'll start in the midfield. Fifty inside fifties at the weekend for the Eagles, so tying a second highest season number. We've hit fifty a couple of times this year. That seems to be our our sort of standard for our good games. Yeah, fifty one. And then our bad the games are below forty. Yeah, so if we hit that number. We're doing all right, certainly by this season's standards. Look, looking the other way, Melbourne's inside 50s have been a real story this year, and I'm not sure how much coverage it's getting, or uh, obviously there was a bit of a talk early in the season when they lost to Geelong, but it's it's been a problem that's lingered well beyond that. So when they played Geelong, they went inside 73 times, and they finished the game with 46 points. Now on the weekend, they've gone in uh, 66 times, and again, they've only finished with 61 points. So they're a side that really... Pepper it in there, but not with a lot of intent, not with a lot of direction. They've yet to really link up their midfield dominance into any sort of forward success, I suppose. Keys, from a backline perspective for the West Coast Eagles, what are you hoping to see this week? There's some sore bodies. There might be a couple of changes or a few tweaked and altered roles. So what are you looking for from our backline this week? I think for the most part, our backline has held up reasonably well this season, given that most games we've been on the wrong side of the 50 count. A little bit shaky at times, and we've probably conceded repeat goals a little bit more often than what I would have liked to have seen a lot of the times this year. So McGovern's sort of 
started to get back to his best a little bit against St Kilda. Uh, sides are, I think, clearly going in with plans to stay away from him a little bit, and that's, that's affecting us, along with Brass being out. Uh, that's, that's made it a little bit easier for them to expose our as smaller backs, I suppose. Schofield's a worry. His form hasn't been great since he's come back in. So, and the fact he might be injured means we might not even have to worry about him being in the side. But that does then expose our second key defender is going to be someone like Rotham or we throw Oscar Allen back or bring Brander in. So we're going to have, a, apart from McGovern, our second KPDs perhaps going to be a little bit inexperienced. Melbourne haven't been playing a particularly big forward line and McDonald's has been out of form, although he started to find it a little bit again against Gold Coast. So batching up on him and keeping and quelling his influence is going to be important and then just making sure those those small forwards that they've got that have been badly out of form and just haven't been connecting well with their midfield at all, we, we try and make sure we can keep that under control uh, as well as other sides. I mean, Melbourne, I think, are 18th for inside 50 efficiency. So I'm hoping that continues. Certainly a big game coming up for a handful of players. And there's a couple of interesting guys like Petrarca obviously gets a bit of hype and hasn't really delivered on it. But he's the sort of bloke with the physicality and the size and the athleticism. Maybe he just bobs up one day and, and tears a game apart. So... Certainly, they've still got some dangerous guys up there, even without Melksham. Uh, Miguel, we'll start with you. Let's have a look at the ins and the outs. What are your changes for this week? Uh, the only change I'd be making that's not forced would be um, for Hickey to come in. And uh, if there's if Schofield is right to play, then I think Hickey comes in for Allen. And this is a good week to rest him because he he's looked a little bit sore. Um, I said in the thread, I noticed in... Channel 7's post-match, um, which I don't normally watch, but the BT wasn't on this one, so I was happy to watch it, hmm. um, that uh, he was, uh, I think it was when Cripps was being interviewed, or maybe Gaff, but Alan was walking around with a massive um, ice pack on his calf, and whether that's normal, there's probably guys all over the place with ice packs on, but um, anyway, look, I, I just think this is a good week to rest him, if possible, but if Schofield's not going to get up, then... Allen might be our best bet at fullback, which is a big ask for him, given he's been playing forward and forward ruck all year. But he's probably the most experienced we've got at fullback at the moment. Um, still available. Uh, did a good job against GWS last year when he, he played back. And Rotham, I think I wouldn't be all that confident playing Rotham on McDonald. I'd prefer Allen to do that. So, yeah, hopefully Schofield gets up Form's not great. He's sort of, I think he's still our, our best uh, fullback option until Barras gets back. But yeah, if, if he's out and he looked very sore and didn't train today, then um, maybe Allen goes back. Uh, I, I'd leave Waterman in. Um, I'd leave Rioli out. I'd leave Maston out. Uh, so yeah, no, no changes other than Hickey to come in for either Allen or Schofield. Yep, I agree with that, assuming there's no curveballs, which, I mean, there's been a, a few of them thrown lately, but provided everybody's healthy, no force changes, I would do Hickey for Allen. And also you can hold Allen across from the waffle. Um, you know, you intend to give him the week off. If something crops up late, 
maybe that solves the emergency issue for who we hold over from a waffle point of view. And that way nobody's missing a fortnight of footy. Keys, changes from you? Yeah, pretty much agree with what's been said already. Uh, Hickey comes in for either Alan or Vardy, and I think with Gorn in the ruck, I think we can't afford to have Alan going up against Gorn. So I think Vardy, although as much as he hasn't been in great touch, I think he stays in. And we run with uh, Hickey and Vardy as our two rucks. And then it depends on... That would be the only change I'd make pending any injured players that we don't know about or guys that aren't going to come up. So uh, Schofield, as we've touched on, is the, the obvious one, I think. Yeah, Rotham is not a true cape. He's a third tall, not a second tall. I'd be a little bit concerned with him coming in. But I think there's been times over the last year or two when we've, we've had to throw a young bloke in. Simo's been prepared to do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Schofield doesn't come up that they do bring Rotham in. And then we've, we've spoken about Rioli if, if he, if they do roll the dice with him, I think Waterman's the unlucky guy to come out. Not that I don't think he deserves to be dropped, but if Rioli's got to come in, I think Waterman's the the, obvi- the most obvious replacement. Um, other than that, yeah, it's hard to know unless, you know, who, who saw and, and what not play. But I think that that's the changes I'd say at this stage early in the week. Just touching on that, Rioli or Waterman, you know, a possible change there. I, I don't think we touched on it into the St Kilda game, but Dan Venables had a really good game on the weekend, um, certainly his best for the season, so that's pretty pleasing to see, and I don't think there's a lot of question that he'd be staying in the side, even if Rioli were good to go. Keys, we'll stay with you. Give us some predictions. How's the game going to play out, and who is going to be the best eagle afield? I, I think we'll win. I think we'll win by, you know, maybe three or four goals. I think it'll be one of those games where I still think we'll... We'll struggle to put four quarters together. I just don't see that we're quite firing all cylinders. But I just, I think Melbourne, with some of their outs and their form, it's really hard to to see how they're going to get over here and win unless we have a major brain fade and a real a real lapse. So I think us by about three or four goals. Best player, I'm going to go with. Uh, yeah, I think he's been threatening to tear a game apart and maybe this might be the one that he does it. Miguel, your thoughts on predictions for the weekend and who do you think is going to be the best eagle on the ground? Yeah, um, I'll pick us to win. I've lost track of when I've picked us and when when we've won or not. I think I picked us last week and we won so I can do it safely without um, feeling like I'm jinxing us. Yeah, as, as Kai said, I um, we're going to need the midfield to, to stand up and... Um, going to need to weather the the initial storm. I think when Melbourne come out, but it's difficult to difficult to pick them um, with the outs they've got and the form they're bringing in. It is it's definitely a danger game. It's not one that we should be taking lightly at all. And hopefully the rain stays away and that the the dew stays away on Friday night because that seems to um, adversely affect us. But yeah, if we can get all over all of those things, then um, and we can continue to build on our form of the last two weeks, then we should win. So I'll pick us by, I'll say, 20 points. It won't be a, a blowout again. Uh, and I think McGovern, um, just picking on picking up on what you said earlier about Melbourne's sort of scattergun forward entry approach, I, th- I think that'll be sort of tailor-made for him. Um, he's been in pretty good form. He's been, the, the commentators on the weekend made a big 
point about how he was affecting the game without even sort of touching the ball just by the fact that he was you know, making St Kilda stop and think twice about how they went went inside forward 50. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's primed for another big game. Yep, classic stitch-up. That was who I had. Uh, the Melbourne game was on, Brilliant. obviously, before hours at the weekend, and I got out my phone and chucked in the notes McGovern for best on. So I've had that one lined up for a couple of days and taken out from underneath me. Who else is going to have a good game then? I like Andrew Gaff. I think his last couple of weeks have really turned a corner. There was a couple of moments on the weekend and indeed the week before where he's really stopped that blind snap. He's starting to run a couple of extra steps and run through his kick. As I said earlier, Kennedy got nominated for Mark of the Round, and that was off a gaff kick where I think a few weeks ago he would have just hoofed it in. And if you go back and watch it, he's really actually consciously run a good measure before kicking the ball. So if if we can get some footy and get, get him plenty of touches, which we've managed to be doing lately, with the way that Melbourne's backline are depleted, I think maybe Gaff going inside 50 could be a real asset this week. Uh, quick brag from me. Last week, I casually tossed out that we'd win by three goals, and we won by exactly three goals. Can't pretend that I put any great thought into it, but there we are. Got to uh, take them when they present themselves. So I will double down and say again this week, the Eagles are going to win by three goals and put a nice little string of victories together. I thought I was doing really well last week. I think I said 22 points, and I thought I'd did really well by getting four points off, but I didn't realise you'd hit it right on the head. Well, I didn't mean to hit it right on the head. I think I just didn't think of a margin, so I threw out a nice round number. <laughs> Moving on, question time. Just a quick question from me this week to both of you. I'm interested in your thoughts. Tim Kelly, obviously in phenomenal form throughout the season and indeed again at the weekend. The link between him and the Eagles in the off-season was pretty well documented. His contract's coming up. As best we know, he's still somewhat invested in coming home. Keys, I'll start with you. What's the price that you would pay for Tim Kelly, assuming he's out of contract at the end of this year? Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of... It's way, I, the one thing I, that I really annoys me about the way football goes now is the amount of time that's spoken about trades, potential trades during the season. I think... The football media should just enjoy Kelly for the football he's playing and worry about the trade at the end of the year when we know what's going on and something can actually be done about it. But to answer your question, I think it starts with our first rounder and then it's a matter of what else we're prepared to to give. Um, Geelong will ask for obviously more than that. It depends a lot on whether Kelly decides he wants to go to... He's prepared to go to Fremantle or not. If he holds Fremantle out, that helps us. If not, it makes it a little bit difficult. Uh, the difference between this year and last year is obviously he can walk away from Geelong, which he wasn't able to do last year. He was basically stuck. Uh, so that changes things a little bit. But then, as we'd all hope, Fremantle finished below us. The problem with him walking from Geelong is if Fremantle could take him in the in the draft if, if it went to that level. So it's going to be, I, you know, it could be this year's first and next year's first. If it comes to that, given the form he's sort of showing at the moment, I'd probably just about pay it. But a lot of the water to go under the bridge between now and the end of the year. And not discounting that, look, his, uh, his wife might decide she likes to run after all. And... Um, we don't even talk about the trade because he decides to stay in Geelong. Yep, certainly 
plenty of water to go under that bridge, as you said. Uh, one of the big assets we've got is that Sydney second rounder, which is looking better and better as they continue to drop games. So one thing for all Eagles fans to watch throughout the season would be a couple of Sydney games and hoping that they continue to fall down, uh, although unfortunately they did get the win this week. Miguel, your thoughts? Would you be happy to stump up two first rounders or there's been some talk of including Brander, there's been some talk of including Nelson. What sort of price are we going to have to pay should Tim Kelly be available to trade at the end of the year? Uh, well, I'm not too sure how to answer this because I had a long debate with a certain someone on Twitter today, hmm. and I don't know whether you saw this and it led to... No, um, I didn't, sorry. But... So I'm excited oh, okay. now. Uh, well, yeah, the, the same person that's bet me that Rioli would be back um, had uh, was insisting that Kelly can just walk to us for free um, under the same rule that uh, Sydney Stack got to Richmond and, and we got Keegan Brooksby, so... Basically, we don't need to offer them anything, which is great. Okay. Um, uh, getting back to reality, though. Yeah, um, ignoring that fantasy world, let's get back to the yeah. point where we actually have to stump something up. What would you? What would yeah. You put well, look, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be chucking Brander in there um, unless he turns around and asks for a trade, um, even though he's under contract. And look, given the way the match committee have treated him, I wouldn't blame him for asking for a trade. Um, if he did, then um, I think our first round pick, assuming that was, you know, sort of pick twelve to fifteen or something, plus Brander would probably get it done. Now, unless he comes to us and asks for a trade, I wouldn't be throwing him in there because that's not the way we do things, and I don't think it's the way to sort of uh, engender the the sort of feeling and camaraderie that we've got in the squad at the moment, and that led us to the premiership. Um, so I wouldn't be throwing players in willy-nilly. Uh, Nelson, I don't think, would have much trade value at all, unfortunately, and, and he's possibly in line for delisting at the end of the year, so can discount him. Um, would If Sydney were to finish bottom two and, and their second rounder was sort of pick 19 or 20, would you know, pick 12 plus pick 20 get it done? Probably not. We'd still probably have to throw something else in, I think. Um, uh, would our first rounder this year plus next year get it done? Probably, but I don't know. That's that's really selling your future for a guy that's going to be, what, 26 or 27 by then. But that might be what has to happen if we do want to get him, if he says he wants to come back and we do want to get him back. Yep. Uh, one to watch going forward. Obviously, you've both sort of touched on there's a few permutations that could crop up and, and make this whole thing irrelevant anyway. But uh, for now, Tim Kelly's playing some good footy. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and hopefully... He puts a circle around West Coast and says, that's where I want to be, and we'll see how this unfolds uh, coming up later on into the summer. Other than that, I reckon we're all done for the week, guys. Thanks very much for coming on, and hopefully the Eagles can get a pretty solid bit of a statement victory this weekend against Melbourne. Keys, it's been good as always. Thanks for coming on. No worries, guys. been a pleasure. Miguel, I touched on it at the start. You've obviously got a bet about your account versus Rioli's availability. So potentially, this may be the last time we speak to you. I sincerely hope it's not, but I also really want to watch Willie play, so I'm kind of fine either way. But hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your service to the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Look, I, I fully expect him to be in the side by the Adelaide game, which would mean the end of me. So um, I'd rather it doesn't happen this week, just because I don't think it's the right thing for him, you know, with all my medical knowledge and in-depth knowledge of his personal circumstances. But... Yeah, look, I, I think he'll be back for Adelaide, and that'll be me gone. It's been it's it's been a blast. Well, hopefully we can squeeze one more in next week, and it will be recapping our resounding victory over Melbourne, and we'll send them running back across East as we did last year in the prelim. 
Well, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. For people listening, thank you as always. And if you've got some questions, just chuck them in the thread or you can send a personal message to any of us. Well, certainly you can send one to Miguel while his account still exists. Uh, in the meantime, let's just hope for the best. No injuries, no laid outs, no confusion. Let's just get it done. We'll rock up on Friday and blitz the demons. Thanks very much, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.